0: Greetings and welcome to Converging Streams, Interfaith Fellowship in Our Modern World. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship and the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie. This week's topic is dogs and the art of
1: peacemaking. Please welcome Reverend Thomas Perchlick. You don't understand what kind of people we're dealing with. Someone said to me in response to my criticism of war and war making, they're like dogs, he said. I responded by saying I know very well what kind of people we're dealing with when we talk of terrorists. People who are hateful. People who are violent. People who are power-hungry and who gain a sense of power by belittling, destroying, by hurting others. But I also know of a greater power in the world, and I know something about dogs, and I know that that power, that deep-running God-given power, has the ability to turn wild wolves into household pets and to heal human relationships. I used to be a cat person. I still admire their graceful beauty, the cat-like Way they move, sleek and silent, the calm self composure they embody. But then my wife became allergic to cats. We couldn't have them as pets. One day there was a family meeting where we all sat around and discussed the idea of getting a dog. I was set against it. My idea of dogs was perfectly caught by Richard Adams in his book Watership Down. Where the rabbit Ella Rayra disguises himself as a dog by making a rubber nose and rubbing himself in the most disgusting things he can, that he can find, all in order to convince Rouseby Woof the dog to go and abase himself before the great Queen Dripslover. Dogs have also attacked me a couple of times, like back when I was a paper boy, especially. So, I was the lone senting voice in my family against getting a dog two times we've had this meeting and both times i have just said no to dogs over the year my image of dogs as noisy slobbery messy obnoxious creatures has not changed however i have slowly come to find myself to become fond of the beasts their energy and joy for life is contagious they force me to get daily exercise and more importantly I've learned something from dogs that applies to all relationships. It is possible to communicate, to even get along with those others who seem too different, too difficult to be worth the trouble. Each of us, perhaps at work, perhaps in our families, perhaps in marriage even, may find ourselves in a relationship with someone who, who lives in a manner that's contrary to what makes us comfortable. Because we're all interconnected, it is essential that we learn how to get along with such people. We need to make peace with those who are difficult to make peace with, to listen carefully and speak clearly with them. The poet Joseph Doomer in his book Dog Music wrote, Dogs, perhaps because we have brought them halfway over toward the human, can sometimes take us halfway back to the urgencies of the animal body, the urges of the animal mind. It can only do us good. He goes on to note, American poets have adopted the dog as a kind of heraldic metaphor for certain virtues. Of course, dogs have their vices as well, but our relationships with them inevitably lead us to the ethical and even moral dimensions of our existence. Our relationships can serve as the text for a theology of relationship, a philosophy of engagement. Even for those of us who have no dogs in our houses, their image can evoke a certain quality of relationship, of healing and saving power in friendship, or of peacemaking and the essentials of forming a more humane society. Dogs have this power because both they And human beings are deeply social creatures. Who we are is determined by our relationships. Even those who strive to be different and uniquely individual, perhaps by coloring their hair in an unnatural color or putting pieces of metal in their faces, are trying to communicate with others. Their decor says, Notice me, I am here, or if you're willing to look beyond the surface, then you can be my friend. They know that people who are willing to talk to them despite their exteriors are more likely to accept them for who they are within, or at least willing to listen. Relationships shape who and what we are. And because of relationships, we have shaped dogs and we have made them what they are. Or perhaps through relationship, they have changed us enough to let them into our homes and our lives. In the art of taxonomy, the scientific naming of animal species, the dog is known as Canis lupus familiaris. In other words, the friendly wolf. In other words, all the dogs that we know, from little lap dogs to Great Danes, are descended from wolves. No one knows exactly how it happened, but at some point wolf pups or perhaps some other low-ranking wolves found that they could get better meals by becoming part of the human society than remaining purely within the wolf society. As scavengers and partners around the edges of human communities, they thrived. Rudyard Kipling tells one version of this story when Wild Dog asks women if he can have some of those scrap bones from her cooking, and she says, sure, you can have the bones and a little more if you will help my husband hunt and guard our home at night. In the National Geographic of January 2002, there was a mention of a 12,000-year-old grave in which a dog and a human being were buried together. Some people have proposed that the rather sudden extinction of mastodons at the end of the last Ice Age was the result of an effective hunting team that dogs and humans formed perhaps 50,000 years ago. We have been together for a long time, is the point. All in all, dogs are generally considered to be the first domesticated animal, and that partnership has been very successful. The Geographic article noted that as wolves have dwindled in population across the earth, almost to extinction in some places, the dog population has grown in the U.S. to more than 68 million. Beyond adding their hunting and fighting skills to our lives, dogs have been good for us in other ways. Research has shown what was known commonly that dog companionship, like any pet relationship, improves the physical health and mental well being of the human owners of pets, of dogs. To form Healthy relationships is a universal need. It's the source of our wholeness and completion. It's not always easy. Some people are better at listening than others. Some can look into your face and hear only a few sentences and know exactly what you're feeling. Other people have trouble knowing what's going on in your head even if you hit them over the head with it. Some can pour out their feelings in a moment. Others struggle to tell you what they're thinking. But communication Relationship building is a skill or skills that we can develop and strengthen. All of us can. And the dogs teach us and remind us that not all communication is verbal. I have seen people who don't know how to communicate well with dogs as well as people. They call out, come here, come here, come here, (laughs) over and over and over again, while chasing their dog all over the neighborhood. The dog enjoys the game, learning that come here means Keep running until I hit you and drag you inside. Sometimes people try to use complex sentences to talk to dogs. Dogs don't understand complex sentences. Simple words, direct and honest, work best. Good communication begins with listening to another, but also speaking clearly one's own needs and desires. It's this way with dogs or humans. Sometimes we lose awareness of what we want and do not speak. Or when we get around to trying to tell people what we need or what we feel, couch the words in careful language, talk all around it, instead it is much better to speak clearly without having to insult another. We can say what we want and if there is any trust, any communication in the relationship, we can expect the other to work on our behalf. Some people are misguided in their desire for relationships, seeking power over another, whether it's a dog or a human. But the greatest power in either relationship is always with. The best relationships are mutual. If we seek to form such relationships, we'll become peacemakers. And deepening of community will come around us. As the ancient rabbi said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be known as children of God. And... The kingdom of God is within, or to put it in modern terms, it's between y'all. Roger Plunk, who's an international mediator and author of The Wandering Peacemaker, recounts his experiences and philosophy of being a mediator and the root of communication, which is knowing the audience first. Seek first to understand and then to be understood. He speaks of what he calls a global democratization, a transforming of the world where more and more it is not great kings and powers that are directing and determining people's lives, but individuals and small communities. Underlying this change is the deeper spiritual force that feeds all life, he says. If we are to overcome the world's seemingly insurmountable problems, we must reconnect with this force, in some way explore spiritual solutions to old problems. My work as a peacemaker is very much connected to my spiritual life. Describes his trust in a presence that he believes is forming a transformation in the world. He tells of an encounter with a Taliban official just before the U.S. war in Afghanistan, and he wrote, The mediator's first priority is to listen and try to understand. The second priority is to make suggestions that may take root and sprout into policy to look for common ground. He understands that he cannot prevent all war by himself, but he knows also that he is planting seeds of peace. Listening listening carefully to the needs of another and meeting those needs is the first task of building and trusting mutual relationship. When my dog Checkers used to get out in the front yard by swiftly sneaking around my legs, I'd go and chase after her afraid that some child might be frightened by her teeth and energy or some car would not see her until too late, but she never came. Then one day I realized how much she loved taking walks with me. So when she ran past, I would go get her leash and call out to her, "'Walk!' and she would run up and sit down to be leashed. I never failed to take her on a walk then, though sometimes it was a very short one. She quickly understood that if she did what I wanted, I would let her do some of what she wanted." In meeting her needs and mine together, we found a peace. Now, I know there are difficulties. I know human desires are more complicated than those of dogs. As Mark Twain wrote, if you pick up a starving dog and make him prosperous, he will not bite you. (laughs) This is the principal difference between a dog and a man. I know there are people who will never listen, who will betray a trust, who are hard to talk to. But we must seek to live by the methods of peacemaking, by the presence or spirit that guides the work of those who seek justice and true community. We must do so for our own well-being and integrity, if nothing else. And perhaps if we listen clearly, we may learn so much about ourselves that it will change us. If we listen carefully to the needs of others and help meet those needs, if we speak clearly and forcefully our own needs and expect for them to be fulfilled, then we will, person by person, form all around us a more just, equitable, and truly humane society.
0: Thank you for listening to Converging Streams, interfaith fellowship in our modern world. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship with content and financial support from the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie and technical support from radio stations WCRD and Work FM. Most importantly, we thank you, our listeners and followers, for your support. To connect with Converging Streams, including listening to our entire catalog of past programs, getting our latest new content, and making your own contribution to this program, visit our website, convergingstreams.org. Converging Streams is produced by Tony Piazza, George Wolfe, and Thomas Perchlick. Thank you for listening and have a pleasant week.